Hello, Cape Cod, and welcome to Life with Gwen. This is a new show from the Cape Cod Times, and we'll be meeting with you any Wednesday that you're free at high noon uh, for a little coffee clash. My name is Gwen Friss. I didn't name this show, by the way. Um, my name is Gwen Friss, and I cover a lot of feature subjects for the Cape Cod Times, including food, dining, lifestyle, and uh, books, you know. And part of doing that is I get to meet wonderful people. The neighbors are amazing, I, I guess anywhere, but especially here on the peninsula and in the islands. And we are fortunate now through this beautiful studio that the Cape Cod Times producers have built and this, uh, this technology, this Facebook Live, so that we can bring some of those guests to you. And you can interact with us. You can send us some questions. You can let us know what's on your mind. Um, you can send us suggestions for shows. But today we're kicking it off and we're very lucky to have with us our first guest, our very first guest, Cape Cod Synagogue Rabbi David Freeland, who is coming to us during a very busy time because last night at sundown, we had the beginning of Hanukkah. Yes, we did. It's off to a big start already. We got a tremendous gift in Alabama. I know Jews all across the country are very happy. So we are, uh, um, we, you know, I, I told you when we spoke that I'm from an interfaith family. Yes. So I spent a lot of time in temple and also outside of temple waiting for um, Hebrew school to get out, that kind of thing. You know, one of those parents. Uh, so I've, in it's over 30 years, I've accumulated most of the prayer. Uh, but People come to me, and I always feel inadequate because I really don't have all of the answers. And and there is still a persistent sense that you know Hanukkah is the Jewish Christmas because of you know I know I know I just like wince, um, but uh, because of when they tend to fall. So can you talk a little bit about the history? of what the Festival of Lights actually is. Absolutely. While I don't pretend to have all of the answers, either I will do my best to provide some of them. Um, of course, the confluence and timing of uh, Hanukkah and Christmas, when they're usually around the same time of year, has promoted this idea of Hanukkah being the Jewish Christmas, uh, when in fact the holidays are totally unrelated and one precedes the other by a few centuries. Um, so Hanukkah begins really with a story of oppression revolution, and military victory. To understand the origins of this, we need to know a little bit about the ancient world. Uh, Alexander the Great, some of you may have heard of him before. Um, it's a half hour. Yes, okay. indeed, I know. Well, yeah, he, ha he had a brother. He was, he was, uh, he was uh, Alexander the not-so-great. Uh, <laughs> he didn't really make it into the books. Uh, so Alexander the Great conquered the known world but left no heir, and he died young. His generals took over uh, his different uh, territories and proclaimed their own kingdoms. Uh, so uh, around the area that we would know as Syria today, you had Seleucus was one general who founded the Seleucid dynasty. And in Egypt, you had Ptolemy, uh, spelled with a silent P in front, just like pool. And it uh, led to the Ptolemaic dynasty. Uh, and what happened is that the territory that we would know as Israel today was a ping-pong ball back and forth between them. These, em these empires waxed and waned. They went to war against each other to try and build their strength. Sounds uh, sort of familiar, you know? <laughs> doesn't it? Yes. Yeah. So the, <laughs> the more the story changes, the more it stays the same. Exactly. The uh, constantly moving borders of the Middle East. So uh, after one of these uh, battles, the Syrian-Greek uh, 
Seleucid king, uh, Antiochus or Antiochus IV, um, lost, and on the way back home, decided to comfort himself by uh, subjugating the Jews of Israel to his rule. Now, they were already under the empire uh, of the Greeks, uh, but he decided to break the rules of what Hellenism had been in Alexander's time. Even though he lost. At, right, and in force, exactly. Oh, and, in, and instead, chutzpah indeed, we say, right? Filled with nerve. And so he decided to enforce all kinds of things to break Jewish culture and religion. He desecrated the temple in Jerusalem. This is the second temple. Uh, he erected a statue of Zeus in there in direct contravention to every Jewish principle. Uh, they slaughtered pigs in the sacred precincts. Uh, and beyond this, they insisted that the locals do likewise and toe the line with, Jew uh, with Greek religion and culture. Uh, what happened, of course, is what happens in most uh, parts of history, which is the vast majority of people go along with it. Uh, but there was a small core that refused to, uh, led by a man named Mattathiahu, who's referred to as Mattathias in the Greek, uh, who he and his sons led a revolution and refused to give in. They refused to assimilate to the Greek way of life. They refused to give up on Jewish faith and Jewish history. Are these the Maccabees? These are the Maccabees. And his okay. one of his sons was Yehuda, Judah, who became known as the Maccabee. And there's a lot of stories for why the origin of that name. Sometimes he's called Judah the Hammer, like uh, Charles Martel in medieval history, you know, the Hammer. Um, uh, and perhaps also because of their rallying cry, uh, the first letters of which make up Maccabee, who was like, you oh, oh God. And so that they would cry when going out into battle. They started a guerrilla insurgency against overwhelming forces. Uh, the Greeks at the time had the super weapon, the elephant. Uh, the Jews did not. But they figured out a series of tactics to neutralize that. And after two years of fighting, overcame the Greeks, recaptured the temple and the sacred precincts, cleansed it, and rededicated it. When they got there, they found that there was not enough of the sanctified olive oil that was burned in the Nair Tamid, the eternal lamp that was lit at all times in the temple, uh, to last more than a day. And it was going to take them time to uh, create more of the soil, to press it and purify it. Yet that one vial of oil lasted for eight days. And so we continue to this day to celebrate the eight days of Hanukkah in memory of that miracle of ancient times, manyfold the miracle of the defeat of the many by the few, of the strong by the weak, um, and the Jewish people refusing to give in. The story of the miracle itself is the only mention that we have in a Jewish uh, scripture anyplace in the Talmud. Uh, the basic story of the war is not even in the Jewish Bible. Yeah, it's it's interesting because after even after all these years, it pretty much picks up for me at the point where the Maccabees win. Um, you know, and I think a lot of people know the story that way, which is, this is a much more fascinating and uh, contextual version. So I thank you so much for that. Um, but as we were talking about marking this every uh, every year, you had brought one thing for us to, to show. I'm going to bring this up to the uh, camera a little bit. And this is one of, of probably an endless number of designs of yes. Norris. <laughs> Most people have seen these, um, but uh, I'm going to give you the candles because I have a question for you. Okay. Why don't you put in the uh, the shamus the uh, the center candle? Yeah, the the, the helper candle. There. Yeah, yeah, the shamus. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I did it right. You did. <laughs> so um, anyway, the shamus and 
then what I'm curious about is, uh, is it right to left on adding the candles or left to right? Because this is always a question, even within uh, my family. Uh, so in, in fact, the, the Talmud addresses this in that very same section that mentions uh, the miracle of the oil when the Maccabees won the, uh, the war against the Greeks. Um, and there's a debate as to whether you should uh, start off with eight candles and work your way down to one, start off with one candle and work your way up to eight. Uh, the Talmud actually says that you are fulfilling the mitzvah, the, the religious obligation of, of uh, Hanukkah, if you light one candle each night. Oh, good. So if you light one candle each night, hear. you're good. Um, so what we do, though, in order to address your problems, that we add to holiness. This is what the Talmud decides with Rabbi Hillel. So we, we start with one and we work our way up. So what we'll do, I always tell people, is that you um, uh, add them in, load the menorah in Hebrew, and light them in English. So you load them from right to left and right, light them from left to right. Ah. So you always light the candle for that night first because that's the one that actually counts. The oh, other ones are, are just to beautify the occasion. Okay, well, I'll tell you what, if you could get a few candles out, um, we are not going to actually light them for two reasons. One is that we wouldn't do that during the daylight, because this is done at uh, at dusk. And um, The fire marsh is probably a, the other one, right? That's the other yeah, one. Yeah, and, and just yeah, yeah. the fact that I don't think that the crew that built the studio would like me very much if on its pilot voyage we burned it down. Really? I understand yeah. that this equipment is not even flammable. Do you want to check? No. 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 All right. Um, okay. So we would load, okay. as I said, you're going to load them. So this would be for the first night. This is for the second night. Okay. So, and that's the shamash. So you would light. matter or don't matter? Just for, just for decoration. Okay. That's all. They come in all different all colors. You can get hand-dipped candles, all kinds of things. All right. And... Um, and now there is a blessing. There is. And uh, is, would it be uh, sacrilege at all if we share that blessing? No, it would not. There are actually two blessings that we sing. Uh, the first one is for the lighting of the candles, and the second one is to praise um, God for the miracles done in seasons past at this time, re remembering the miracle of Hanukkah. Baruch atah Adonai Eloheinu melech haolam. Asher kirishanu b'mitzvotav, v'tzivanu lehadlikner shel Chanukah. Baruch atah Adonai, Eloheinu melech haolam, she'asa nisim l'avoteinu b'yamim ha'em b'azman when we do that, we would have already lit the shamash, the user right. candle, or the, mm -hmm. and with that one, we would light the second candle yeah. and then the first right. uh, for the night. Um, we don't use the existing candles to light anything else to read by. Right. They are simply to proclaim the miracle of Hanukkah. So ideally, you would have the to show the light. To show the light. Ideally, you would have the menorah outside your front door because so it's supposed to I, uh, display to the neighborhood. Uh, Right, and uh, I was going to join you in the prayer until I heard what a good voice you had, and I thought, it just you, you take it from here. Um, at home, the kids uh, think it's very funny to sing along, and then they'll stop. So I have to make sure I know the Hebrew to keep going, uh, which seems a little unfair. But uh, that seems more than a little unfair. <laughs> 
they they both you know had their bar and bat mitzvah of course and uh, she she's uh, teaches hebrew school so you know i think it's a little unfair but uh um i didn't think you'd do that but you know you have a lovely voice thank you i thought you could handle that i can so. do some light leads up in classics to follow up if you like no well i think we have some more hanukkah stuff to okay talk there about. we go just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh human remains that are left Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. We were going to talk a little bit, I think, when uh, about the idea of let me start by telling you that when my kids were little, I ended up giving a Hanukkah party. My husband did not get home from work. So here I was, the non-Jewish mom, giving the Hanukkah party. But I was more Jewish in, in you know, culture and, and in supporting my family mm -hmm. that uh, um, we were members over at, at Falmouth Jewish sure. Congregation. And um, then, then the rest of the neighborhood, so I was fine. And I had gotten a little present for each of the children who attended. And uh, they thought my kids were absolutely, fantastically lucky because they had not one Christmas, but they had eight nights of presents. They didn't quite right. understand that, that uh, you know, there might be one or two big presents in there, but the rest were small ones. And we tried to devote one night to um, giving, you know, to, to, uh, nice. to, you know, to the Heifer Project or mm -hmm. something like that because I, I wanted them to develop that sense of, I think it's uh, Tikkun Olam. Uh, right? Tikkun Olam, uh, literally repairing the world. Yes. Um, so there's a Jewish mystical tradition that uh, when the world was created, uh, it didn't go quite according to plan. And so it's up to human beings to work in partnership with God to repair it. Ah. I like that. I, yeah. I didn't know that it, you know, that much about it. But I've always liked the fact that that uh, uh, doing a mitzvah, mm -hmm. a good deed, is is a part of of many of the traditions that the community shares together. Yeah. In in not not you know just in Jewish communities, in communities all over, you know. Uh, but uh, but I wanted to see if you could tell me a little bit about the idea of the presence because I'd read that that that's only a thing here. Well, I mean, it's it's grown and been amplified in the states. Absolutely, um, religious traditions borrow from each other uh, all the time. There are tunes that go back and forth between uh, uh, church and synagogue and have for centuries. Um, you know, that when we live with our neighbors, we pick up on their ways. Mm -hmm. And so uh, part of it is that in the States, Jewish families didn't want their kids to feel like they were missing out. Uh, and, you know, frankly, the, the American Christmas is the one that emphasized gift giving over all else, too. Right. Uh, you know, that was a, a very talking, American. Hearing, um, a big immigrant push, like, are we talking the... Um, 1800s or so, New York City. The vast and, and majority then, yeah. of Jews arrived in this country from 1890 to 1920. Mm -hmm. So th that's pretty much in my mind yeah. where we're at. And, and that was when this idea of, of having, uh, having a little gift for, for Hanukkah starts to develop? It starts to develop, absolutely. That prior, it was about lighting the candles. You would have games with the children, small gifts for the children. Uh, really focused more on the children because of the fun of lighting the candles. Um, and because it was a holiday, uh, kids would be excused from studying that night and could play games instead. 
So, exactly. We've got a few of those lying around. Um, Show one of those. I I can. I'm going to stick with the gift giving for a minute and then I'll get over to the dreidel. So, the gift giving, you know, it grew here in America. And I say irony of ironies is that most of the department stores that we know were actually founded by German Jewish immigrants. So, that um, the the push for gift giving actually. May in fact have originated with those same people that were trying to move stock at the end of the year. Cut its own throat here. Exactly. So maybe exactly. But yes, you know that push for it. Yeah, we we look at. um, It's so funny because having grown up in New York myself and all of the the uh, the department stores, you know, they all had Jewish names because Mm -hmm. that's who started them in the uh, 19th century, going back to the uh, 1840s and 1850s when you had the first significant wave of German-Jewish immigration. Mm -hmm. Uh, Same time, other Germans were coming to this country as well. So my husband shared similar background to you, and uh, um, he did draw the card, the idea at uh, the line at cards, and and he was like, I don't care about the tree. In fact, he liked the tree. But uh, he said, but, you know, I'm, I'm like, we don't do cards. When did my mother start doing Hanukkah cards? He said, it's it's the Christians that have gotten into the family. Well, you know, but, Hallmark, it's it's a good business. Yeah. You know, it's a very good business. And and as you said, some of the, some of the merchants themselves. So uh, we're, we're pushing that because it was a way to, to add a lot of business. Absolutely. And, you know, frankly, it makes the holiday a happier time for everybody when they receive the gifts. So it's not mm-hmm. so bad. And so we do tend to emphasize that for, for children more. Adults, not so much for gift exchange. Right. Hanukkah. So, yes, yeah. if you're out there and you're an adult, you're expecting a gift for Hanukkah, probably not going to happen. I do have to say, why don't you show us the dreidel? Because then let's talk to you. Sure, absolutely. So let's, okay. I've got a few, gonna, uh, a few dreidels here. Up, people yes. will be able to see. Can you possibly do a dreidel on there? Or is I can do it right here. They're going to see it right out here. No, actually. they're not. There's a bar there. Oh. So you need to get it I'm like, I can bit. see myself right here. I bet you I'm going to be able to do it right here. Right. I don't think I can do it on that surface. Okay. So, well, give it a try. Um, I, I think I see it already. Uh, there it is. Yeah. I can see it on screen. So the uh, the dreidel, uh, which is a Yiddish word uh, mm-hmm. for a top, a dryan in Yiddish is to spin or turn, uh, has four letters on it. Uh, the, the nun, the gimel, the hay, and the shin. Uh, I know you can't really see that too well. Absolutely. Uh, and they they stand for a few things. They stand for the rules of the game. So, nun, nisht, nothing happens. Uh, uh, gimel, or gans, you get everything. Uh, hey, or halb, you get half of the pot. Uh, and shin, or stellen, you have to stick one in. Uh, so you sit in a circle of people and you ante up at the beginning. You could play with peanuts, you could play with raisins, you could play with chocolate coins. Uh, gelt. Right, gelt. gelt literally means just money. Yeah, that's exactly it, right? That's so right. Uh, that's it. So chocolate coins um, or anything else you wanted to gamble with. This is low stakes gambling. Uh, they have not adopted the uh, high stakes VIP dreidel room in Vegas yet, much to my <laughs> objections. Uh, so uh, what you, you do is you take a spin. So the letters also stand for. Nes Gadol Hayasham, which means a great miracle happened there. Uh, so it's to remind us of the miracle of Kana. So you just give it a good spin. And if you're like me and you've got some stupid cradle tricks in you, you can go upside down. Uh, or any of the other good things that you can do. You know, I always wanted a David Letterman segment for upside down. Stupid, stupid dreidel tricks, right? We'll, work uh, on this. we'll get you a little platform. Exactly. But, uh, uh, so, um, Dreidel is, is a wonderful game. We hosted the Martha's Vineyard uh, uh, Temple one time. You know, we used to go back and forth sure. on, on Hanukkah parties. 
And um, the... Uh, it's a tough drive, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't tell people about that bridge. Um, but anyway, um, there was... Uh, uh, the kids, we made uh, we made dreidels with the kids. And this was the ultimate in, in economy. If you do this on a clean surface, um, what you do is you take a, a candy kiss mm -hmm. and a um, little bit of frosting, marshmallow, and a uh, pretzel stick. And they actually will spin if, if, it's, if everything... If if the everything's and working that night, it will spin, and at the end you can eat them, huh? You can eat That's them. That's pretty good. Yeah. Yes. Wow. So something to keep in mind. And speaking of eating and yes. cooking, yes. we had some great conversation about uh, the fact that you came here after doing what? Tell me, pick up the story. All right. So my rabbinic career followed being a line cook for about a year and a half. So I I, I checked. On the cake? Uh, no, no, no. I was down in Charlottesville, Virginia, actually. Uh, I went to school. It's where I met my wife. And um, I worked in a place down there called uh, Northern Exposure to say hi to Stewie and Dale if you're watching. Um, so uh, worked there for about a year and a half, uh, sort of cut my, cut my teeth uh, on the line and decided I'd rather go to rabbinical school than culinary school. And so uh, I progressed from there, but the the bug never left me. I've I still love to cook. If I have a day off, nothing makes me happier than spending the whole day in the kitchen. Uh, so that that's still with me. I've got a lot of different toys. So for uh, Hanukkah at the Cape Cod Synagogue, uh, I actually prepare the brisket for our Shabbat Hanukkah meal. So we have a family meal that will seat about 150 people this Friday night. Uh, and I have a relationship with a wholesaler, so I, I drive back from Boston with uh, with a lot of meat in my car. So I'm, I, I'm cooking off about 75 pounds of brisket for uh, for Friday night. And I'm thinking that you don't want to get stopped on the way home, because how are you going to explain that? Well, exactly, especially if there's an APB out for a missing person. Oh, my God, what did they do to you? Oh, you know, that would be terrible. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Cry of act and boneless. How did that happen? Yeah. <laughs> Just call me Hannibal. Right. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, that's okay. We, that's we like fine. funny people. <laughs> so, and, uh, you know, I also, before we moved on to, to food, I wanted to ask you, I just special for today. I'm wearing the uh, the blue and the silver and I white. I see that. You know, and my daughter did my makeup. And I'm actually relieved because uh, she's 24, and she got a, for the first night of Hanukkah, she got a palette of very bright colors. So at one point this morning when I was hurrying out of the house, she stepped back and said, oh, I hope I haven't gone too far. And all I could think of was uh, Mimi, that character from the old Drew Carey show. <laughs> yes. I think she did a good job, you know? <laughs> and uh, and you said that the colors are pretty much just marketing? Well, the blue and white, you know, the blue and white have been taken on as sort of Jewish colors uh, uh, because of the flag of Israel and because of the, the ancient significance of blue on the talit, which was a religious garment that's worn. Uh, the patil techelet, or a, a blue thread that goes with it. Uh, and so we've taken on blue. You'll see it on the flag of Israel, which is also reminiscent of that same talit with the blue stripes. Uh, and so blue is commonly used uh, for Jews. And, you know, if you've got red and green already going for Christmas, blue and silver looks pretty good, you know? So. <laughs> and um, I, how are we doing on time? Oh, I don't know if we have time, but you next time you come, you have to tell the whole shell story. Oh, can I can. Quickly, oh, yeah, sure. So that uh, the, the, the source of that original blue dye, uh, scholars had looked for a long time, and they finally figured out there was a snail uh, along the eastern Mediterranean, along the Israeli coast, uh, that when harvested at the right time of day, yielded a blue dye. Uh, and so that's, they've actually 
isolated the source of the that, dye. That's uh, got a pretty good uh, grounding there. For centuries, you couldn't buy the blue because nobody mm -hmm. knew what it was. And now you can again. Absolutely. And um, I have to tell you that when people ask me what should I bring to Passover, if they get invited to Passover Seder, I say flowers because there are so <laughs> many dietary rules. Yeah, Passover is a little tougher. Yeah. We get to do, we go the other way. This is the holiday that says, go ahead, have some. It's the like, more oily, the better. It's all about That's fried right. food. It's all about fried food for the week of Hanukkah. So uh, because of the miracle of the oil, uh, we also have foods cooked in oil. So Jews all around the world have different uh, foods that they'll cook. Uh, there's one thing, they're all fried. So whether you like fried chicken, you like donuts, uh, you like potato latkes, uh, you, if you can deep fry it, it's appropriate for the holiday. Well, bingo. That's the potato latkes. My uh, daughter's making them for her boyfriend who has not had them yet. And uh, um, tonight. And Sour cream or applesauce? The old question. huh? Yeah. You know, we end up using neither, uh, but but both are usually on hand. I like salt and gravy on mine if I'm having them with meat. They're delicious. Gravy? Oh, God. Yeah. When that, when that brisket juices drip all over them, it's fantastic. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. now I heard that you have a, a, a special latke recipe. Um, well, I'm just very meticulous about the way I make them. How about that? Oh, so are you not going to share the latke recipe? <laughs> well, it's not that hard. We can keep you here. It's in the yes, all right, exactly. I'm actually chained in place right now. This is a. Uh, <laughs> keep, yeah, my ankle chains don't show up on camera. They're below the desk. Um, so it basically, <laughs> the key is to start with the starchy potatoes. So you need a russet. Uh, you need to shred them, and you need to squeeze the life out of them to get the water out of them first. Uh, and you can collect that water, let it settle, and then pour it off, and you'll have potato starch at the bottom, which will help bind them. Mm -hmm. uh, grated onion and egg and salt, and that's about it. Yes. Uh, and it works Chris, very, very well. cheese yesterday, I nearly fell over. There's no, no cheese in a latke. That, if if so, that doesn't say more about America than anything else, I don't know what, what, what does. Every dish in America, you should throw some cheese on it. Right? Yeah. Everything. Yeah, we're the country that bought you, you know, stuffed crust pizza. Why? Why? Yeah, it's always more cheese. Because they could. Because we could, exactly. So, you know, no, well, no, no cheese on a lot of in, in, uh, in work. Absolutely. You know, and actually, you asked what you could bring for Hanukkah. Uh, a bowl of Lipitor would probably be a good idea. <laughs> you know. No, but I, I think that, that from what I've heard of the teachings is that, yes, this is the holiday where we, uh, we indulge in the fried foods, but in moderation. Because, you know, of life course. is well in moderation. And, uh, Absolutely. And a lot of the traditional Jewish diet is actually not meat-based. Right. Uh, meat traditionally was saved for special occasions. Yeah, so, actually, there's, we're not really talking about uh, um, meat for, uh, for, for this holiday. No. Oh, and you know what we haven't mentioned? Eight nights. Eight nights? That's, That's right. right. So we're just, uh, tonight would be the second night. We're in the first day. Jewish days start at sundown. So they run from sundown to sunset. Uh, is the Jewish cycle. So we started last night and we're in the midst of the first day and we'll start the second day at sundown tonight. So for eight full days, we celebrate Hanukkah. Okay, and one more question, because um, we're running out of time, but why is it a different time each year? Well, it's actually the same time every year. Uh, it's on the 25th of Kislev. It's the first night of Hanukkah every single time. Uh, but you may not recognize that month on your calendar. Uh, the Jewish calendar is a lunar solar calendar. So the months are based on lunar cycles uh, with some adjustments to make it run against the solar year properly. So uh, periodically we have to add an extra month or a day or two to certain months in order to get it to line up with the seasons properly. So the holidays can move a little bit. 
Uh, Hanukkah, you might remember a few years ago, was actually on Thanksgiving. Uh, that was unusual. Very unusual for it to come that early. Sometimes it starts after Christmas. Mm -hmm. So it, it has that much of a range. Believe me, when you're in an interfaith family, you start the year by marking your calendar. All the, all the high Jewish holidays that you know you're going to be in temple for, First and then absolutely you know, right. Uh, you know, so in contrast to say with the Muslim calendar, which is a purely lunar calendar, just precesses around the solar year, yeah. so their holidays move season to season. Thank you so much for coming. Oh, you're They're so welcome. Give us really book, my pleasure. Me and you, but don't forget, guys, you can watch this on our Facebook page. Go to the live video section. You can also just come and visit either this set or uh, Jason Kolnos's time at the beach. If you ever get discouraged of winter and you need a little break. Cape Cod Times is here. Join us next week. We're not telling you what's going to be on. Um, have a, uh, oh, we have a message. So isn't this wonderful? It's We have a message from Felipe Pereira who says, Happy Hanukkah from Brazil. Happy Hanukkah to you as well. So wonderful to know we're out there with you in the world. Join us next week for Life with Gwen.